I was reaching my breaking point. I had no friends. I hated the work I was doing. I wanted to drive myself off the road so I wouldn't have to go to work. I was miserable. What I did next, I'm not proud of. Welcome to The Lamp Podcast, where we are shining a light on the stories of caregivers. Hey, welcome back to The Lamp Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Labrie, and this is episode four and week two of Shelter in Place in California. A couple days ago, LA County closed beaches and some public areas, and a lot of the cities have closed the hiking trails in the area. And hiking is a hobby that my husband and I really enjoy. We actually like to hike a lot together. So it's kind of a bummer not to have hiking trails, but we understand how important it is in this situation. A few weeks ago, we were hiking at this park in Pasadena, and it has this good like seven mile round trip hike. And there's a chunk of it that is like a 2.5, three-mile uphill stretch with just switchbacks. And we were hiking on it, and there was a woman behind us who had one of those like hiking backpack things to carry your baby in. And she had her baby in the backpack, and we're all, you know, we're going uphill, and she's behind us a little ways back going uphill. And her baby starts crying and crying and crying. And she's still hiking, and we're still hiking, and the baby's still crying. Now, I'm not telling you this story because I wanted to judge a mom and what she's doing with her baby, because I don't really know what the deal was there. I mean, maybe her kid's, like, teething, and she was trying to find something to do. Maybe she'd been at home all week, and she was like, I just need a break. We'll go out hiking. Maybe she thought this would help for whatever reason, and she's just trying to get to, like, mile two before she turns around. I don't know. I've definitely been in that situation where your kid is crying, and you have tried all the things, and you're at your wit's end, and you don't know what to do. But while we were hiking, it made me think of all the times we're in the middle of something that is not working, no matter how much we try to convince ourselves of it. A job, school, a relationship— Every single sign points to this thing is not working, but we just keep at it. Maybe it's because we don't know what to do. Maybe we told everyone this big plan and now we're embarrassed to go back and say we were wrong. Uh, Maybe we're super excited about being in a relationship with this person and now we don't really want to be alone again. Maybe we told ourselves we needed to give it a year and now we're just holding out for that deadline. Maybe we feel obligated to the people who helped us get this far. Whatever it is, we can't figure out how to do what we really need to do, which is quit. I know I've stayed at a job longer than I should have. I've definitely done that thing where you say, I need to get experience on my resume, so I'm going to stay here for a year, even though it sucks and even though I don't like it, just so I can get the experience. In this episode... Francis is going to explore what happens when you're ignoring the writing on the wall and staying at a job you don't want. Sometimes in healthcare or a caregiving profession, when you really don't like what you're doing, 
there's an added component of it that makes it challenging to easily change or quit your situation. And that's social responsibility. You know, this responsibility towards the public or society in general, um, you know, caregivers feel obligated. They went into this role usually because of the social responsibility and the public good that they care for. Here's Francis's story. Our gut instinct knows us better than we know ourselves. It's whether we choose to listen to it or not is the piece that can lead us to our greatest transformation. So I'm driving to work, feeling like I would literally rather be going anywhere else but work. When some other dark thoughts started creeping into my head, my hands were tightly gripping the steering wheel I felt tachycardic and anxious about my upcoming shift. I was driving faster than I should. I always left too late to actually clock in on time. My excuse, I didn't want to be on the floor any longer than I had to. I'm driving in the left-hand lane, passing cars, and I look at the breakdown lane. I remember seeing the patch of grass between the lane and the Jersey barrier. Then I started to imagine. I started to visualize what would happen if I got into a car accident. What if I got into a car accident and couldn't make it to my shift? Like, I didn't want to get hurt so bad that I couldn't recover, but just a broken leg or something could be enough to get me out of work for a while. Man, that would be awesome. Then I would have the perfect excuse about why I couldn't go. I sided with my better judgment and made it to work and went on with my shift. I was in a very dark place and my job was the root cause. I put an enormous amount of pressure on myself to prove that I could make it on this floor. I was my own worst enemy in this situation, not the job itself. I had been working as a registered nurse for about four years when I had the visualization of me getting into an accident to avoid going to work. I was working on labor and delivery. I was probably five or six months into working on this floor. I was off orientation and I was on my own. My previous experience included cardiothoracic step down and cardiothoracic ICU. So my ego played a huge role in wanting to succeed in L&D. I had just worked in one of the most high acuity ICUs in the whole hospital. I should be able to deliver babies. Like that sounded fun. I transferred from the ICU after three and a half years to go to L&D because I needed a change. I wasn't really that passionate about the cardiothoracic specialty and I remembered my maternity clinical and nursing school was super chill and awesome because I was at a low-key community hospital. The births were smooth and I felt calm, and that seemed like a great place to be a nurse. This experience that I had was not like that. Now, I was working at a major level one trauma center, inner city hospital, and 
the labor and delivery I was on was bananas. It was basically an emergency room for pregnant ladies. I may have been unsure of what I wanted at that time, but I did know that I never wanted to work in an emergency room. I was originally super hopeful labor and delivery would work out. I was excited to coach women in the birth of their child and be a part of a beautiful experience. It maybe felt like that for a hot second when I was still on orientation and had the safety of my preceptors beside me. But as I worked towards the end of my orientation and I was more and more on my own, I felt more and more anxious and not at all ready to be responsible for a laboring woman. Alas, I made it off orientation. I thought the anxiety would start to fade the more and more I admitted a laboring patient. But months went by and I actually felt myself getting more anxious. My anxiety at home manifested in several different ways. I remember crying a lot (laughs) before going to this particular job. I remember telling my friends and family that it was going okay, but I wasn't really sure what the future held for me there. I remember crying one day while making dinner and feeling this heaviness on my shoulders for knowing the shift that lied ahead of me. And I was enjoying sitting down, eating a meal with my boyfriend. And I remember breaking down in tears, just not wanting to go to work. I knew the level of stress that was going to be with me for that full 12 and a half hour shift. And it just felt too much to bear. It was exhausting and I didn't know what to do. I still remember one of the worst nursing experiences of my life when I was taking care of a young mom who was in active labor and she had her boyfriend and her parents there for support. The dynamics and tension in this family was so palpable, I felt super uncomfortable just being in the room. But then add horrible, excruciating labor pain on a young woman who was freaking out And honestly, I've never wanted to walk out and quit on the spot more in my life. And of course, I didn't. But I felt so helpless because this woman was not tolerating the pain well at all. And when she started pushing, she was making little to no progress. I actually remember I was still on orientation with this one. And I remember leaving the room anxiously looking for my preceptor and begging her to come in the room to please help me manage the situation. I was profusely sweating the whole time. I could feel my cheeks were bright red, and I felt like I was totally unable to keep calm in the chaos, which is one of the things we strive for as a nurse. I was going from trying my best to encourage this girl, yelling, push, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You're doing amazing. Two, scrambling over to the computer to chart on the fetal heart strip every 15 minutes. She was making no progress and the baby was not tolerating the labor well. I felt like the labor would never end. 
as I'm very sure the mom felt the same way. My patient ended up having to go for a C-section, and my shift ended before I had to follow her to the PACU. Needless to say, I was never more ready to leave in my whole career as a nurse. I was physically drained and mentally drained, and the worst part was I had to come back again tomorrow. I literally didn't know how that was possible. In my head, I had imagined the role of the nurse in L&D to be different. I thought I'd have more opportunity to be more like a doula, hanging out with a mom and coaching her through the delivery. Whereas in real life, I felt like I was glued to the computer screen. I had heard that lawsuits were a kind of a big deal in L&D, so I was extra vigilant to make sure I dotted all my I's and crossed all my T's. I remember having downtime when I didn't have a patient because we were waiting for the next woman to come in and be admitted from triage, and I hoped and prayed I wouldn't get an admission. The only time I felt like I could breathe was right after the chaos of the delivery, and it was just the mom and the baby and the family. Everyone was super happy and chill. This calm lasted for one to one and a half hours max, and then I had to transfer them up to the postpartum unit. When I was up on the postpartum floor dropping off mom and the baby, I remember feeling like I didn't want to go back downstairs. You see, I had all these red flags popping up. I felt them there, but I wasn't ready to admit that I couldn't make it on this floor. Again, I had just come from the ICU. We put an enormous amount of pressure on ourselves to do the best we can every single day. We want to fit in on the floor. We want to prove ourselves to our managers. We want to make our managers, our, our coworkers, and our patients happy. And above all else, we want to do our jobs well and hopefully not make any mistakes. Pair those pressures with stress and anxiety from not liking the floor you're on, and you've got a recipe for some major mental distress and inner turmoil. That was me. I imagined all the nurses there expected to expected me to be a high performer because of where I had came from. I had all these stories in my head about how I felt like people could see my anxiety and wonder why. I was worried of what my coworkers thought of me. I was embarrassed. I isolated myself. I remember staying in the computer room, surfing the internet between patients, knowing full well that all the nurses were talking out at their nurse's station. I imagined that they were talking about me. Like, why didn't I try harder to fit in? Why was I so quiet? I was shutting down because I just felt so out of place there. I was still in denial about admitting defeat and admitting that I wasn't cut out for LND. So instead of recognizing that it wasn't working out, I fixated on another issue, my schedule. It was the easiest thing to blame that wasn't myself. I had gone from working as a 36-hour day-night rotator on the ICU to now working 40 hours a week, which was two eights and two twelves, and we were all required to complete 12 hours of monthly mandatory on-call time. I literally felt like I was there every single day. It pretty much went like, <laughs> besides the four days a week that I was there, you know, the day after work was a recovery day of just, phew, I'm melting into the couch and just <laughs> vegging out. And then before you knew it, 
it's the day before work again. And you get that anxiety of like, oh my gosh, like I have so much to do before work. I don't want to go to work. I can't believe I have, I was just there. I feel like I didn't have enough time. It's never enough time <laughs> in between shifts when you don't want to go. So I had had multiple meetings with my managers asking to change my hours, to drop my hours and to literally change it to anything else, hoping that would help. But I wasn't going to be able to do that until more nurses got off orientation, they said. I was reaching my breaking point. I had no friends. I hated the work I was doing. I wanted to drive myself off the road so I wouldn't have to go to work. I was miserable. What I did next, I'm not proud of. Instead of being honest and letting my managers know how I truly felt, even though I was not yet admitting to what I considered at that time to be failure and defeat for not being a good fit for that floor. What I did next was blame an external problem on my distress and unhappiness. So I had actually been a little bit strategic when I wanted to give my four weeks notice. I was working every, week, every other weekend at that time, and I had my cousin's wedding coming up at, in, um, in October, and I was set to work that weekend. Well, I wasn't in a place where I wanted to switch my weekend with anyone. And remember, I was kind of isolated from some of the nurses, so it always feels a little awkward to ask someone to have to switch a, a shift with you or a weekend. It feels like a lot to ask, though it's a very common thing. So I had it set in my mind. I'm not going to ask someone to switch with me. I just need to be done with that floor by the time my cousin's wedding comes up. So I looked at my calendar and I charted out four weeks from the Friday before my cousin's wedding that I needed to be done. So I gave myself a date four weeks before that wedding on a Friday, I was going to give my letter of resignation. I remember Googling letter of resignation format to make sure I did it right. And when I walked into a meeting with my nursing manager to give her my resignation letter, the rationale I gave her was not the misalignment I was feeling or the stress and anxiety I felt on a daily basis that was literally wearing me down. Those all likely would be quite understandable as a reason to leave. And perhaps I might have even been pointed in a direction to receive help, but no. When I sat down in the office to give my manager my four weeks notice, I told her that I couldn't handle my schedule and I couldn't wait to have it fixed and I needed to leave. I remember even being asked by the assistant manager if I liked it there. I looked at her in the eyes and I lied through my teeth. Uh, yeah, I like it. I wonder if they knew my true feelings. Inside, I knew <laughs> my managers might be upset because I was going to be leaving that weekend. There was going to be a hole that weekend because I wanted my last day to be on Friday and I was set to work on Saturday. So I handed in my letter of resignation and 
there was a discussion about the date. I had written it down clearly in my letter of resignation that on this Friday, September, whatever, was my final day on that floor in the hospital. And the discussion was brought up that from my manager that that is your weekend to work. So I, I kind of expect you to work that weekend. And with butterflies and profuse sweating happening, I stood up for myself and I said, no, I think the policy is four weeks. So my last day will be Friday, the day before that Saturday. I got the scariest stare of my whole nursing career. And I knew I needed to have somebody behind me to help support my decision. So for fear of being forced to work that weekend that I was set to work, but I was quitting on Friday, um, I decided to call HR to confirm the rules and to express my concern that my manager was upset with me. My ego got in the way of me admitting the truth out loud. I was too proud of the work I had done up to that point to admit that I couldn't handle helping deliver babies. I had hit a low. I also had no job lined up. I had no plan, but I was free. I was scared AF, but I was proud of myself for doing what needed to be done. In reflecting about this experience, I feel like my dishonesty with myself contributed to my declining mental health while at that job. I felt in my gut that I did not belong there, but I was so fearful of telling the truth or hurting my manager's feelings that I avoided being honest, and instead, I blamed an external issue on an internal problem. Had I been honest, perhaps they would have had a recommendation on what I could do or they could have helped me get a job on another floor. Who knows? But I spent the following years feeling guilty for not admitting the truth and not explaining what was really going on. I never felt closure because of the bad note I left on. In conclusion, all the signs were there that this floor was not a good fit for me. I lasted eight months before handing in my letter of resignation, and I cited the reason for my leaving was because I could not wait for my managers to change my schedule and decrease my hours. I let pride and ego get the best of me, and I denied the truth of how I was doing for so long. If something feels off, listen to your gut. Sift through those feelings. Write down your thoughts and feelings in a journal if that's helpful for you. Talk things out with a trusted person. You are not any less of a nurse for not fitting in somewhere or for not wanting to do a certain type of nursing. Also, be honest with your managers. Even if they don't react favorably to the truth, at least you'll have peace of mind that you spoke your truth and you never should feel bad for that. I regret my dishonesty with them to this day. The guilt and the feelings of failure have faded but there is still a sting when I think back to this time. Nurses are human and we are all just trying to do our best. Be true to yourself and you can never go wrong. 
Thanks again, Frances, for sharing your story. Frances Wright is a nurse who recently left her job at the hospital and is pursuing her dream of becoming an entrepreneur. You can find her at Elevate My Joy on Instagram and Elevate My Joy Community on Facebook. Thanks again for listening to the Lamp Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at thelamp.podcast, Twitter at Lamp Podcast. And if you have a story that you think needs to be told about being a caregiver, head over to thelamp.blueberry.net. That's thelamp.blubrry.net. And on the about page, there's a form where you can submit your idea. Thanks again to Tara Ellis for the song Be As A Lamp. You can find her on Spotify and SoundCloud. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Do